Well, the start of the college football season is many months away, but that doesn't mean it's too early to look at what games could potentially make teams slip up in a game that they're not really supposed to. We're looking at the biggest trap games of the 2022 Pac-12 football schedule coming up this fall. Plus, Drake Jackson is next in our lineup of Pac-12 NFL prospects, all coming up today. Let's go. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. Spencer McLaughlin, Cindy Robinson with you to give you everything you need to know about the Conference of Champions. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Like and subscribe wherever you are listening to and or watching the show if you have not already. And we're talking trap games today, Cindy, because there are quite a number of them on on these Pac-12 football schedules and you know it seems like the season is a long ways away and it may very well be but I just have this sneaky feeling that we're going to look up before we know it and be like whoa it's uh it's fall camp guys are reporting in August and and we're going to look up and say boy the 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 schedule's like right around the corner we're about to start and so it's uh it's as good a time now you know before probably perhaps some roster changes this summer to look at uh, what what games could cause teams to slip up this fall. Yeah, it's like the best part of football season, the upset. I mean, I I thoroughly enjoy a little underdog story every now and then, even if it is against um, my Pac-12 teams. Um, I get more excited when, you know, you just see those underdogs come out on top. It it makes the game a little more interesting. Everybody likes St. Peter's. Who doesn't there, like St. Peter's? There we who go. There we go. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like St. Peter's? Come on. And it's no different in college football where when you have a loss like the ones we're potentially talking about, it can majorly derail what was otherwise going to be a good season. So we won't go to the conference ones, but let's look at the non-conference games that uh, that you should have on your radar. So let's start with USC and the new head coach, Lincoln Riley. September 17th, they get the team that knocked off UCLA last year, very nearly beat Oregon in Fresno State. Now they do have a new head coach because Kalen DeBoer is now up at Washington, but I think they've made it very clear, the Bulldogs, that they are not to be taken lightly. I think Oregon learned that very quickly last year when they were very nearly upset at home. It was at home that Fresno State took it to him. And then Fresno State went on the road to UCLA, not as much of a home field advantage as the Ducks have, but they, they beat the Bruins straight up. And that dude, Jake Hayner, that's a baller. Can we just make it clear that September 17th is going to be a rough day for the Pac-12 all across the board? Like, you either are going to come out on top like you're supposed to, <laughs> or you're going to be going home crying and rethinking some things. And some of them coaches might have a little uh, tough week after that. Um, Fresno State is just one of those teams that, like, yeah, they're in a – less competitive conference, but they are pretty much competitive with the Pac-12. Same as one of our other teams we're going to talk about a little later, BYU. Uh, we saw them run crazy through the Pac-12 last season. So Fresno State's just one of those teams you can't take lightly. They always have some talent on the team. That quarterback is making it clear that I don't care if you're the Pac-12, I'm still going to run through you like yep. you're in, you know, just any other old opponent. So 
That is one thing that I hate about um, the Pac-12 conference in a sense of it doesn't really put fear in other lower competitive conferences as they should. Like we hear SEC, we hear Big Ten, we hear Big 12, and there's just a different fear there that we don't get when you're going up against Pac-12 teams. Um, But the Fresno State versus USC, USC has a lot on the line. It's new coach, Lincoln Riley. At the end of the day, everyone expects USC to be a prominent team. I don't care what any who what's been happening in the past, what happened last season. Every season it starts, if it's a new one, we're expecting USC to be on top. They still have that name, same as Oregon. And this is just not a game they can lose. It's a game that could possibly happen that they lose, but they need not lose it. <laughs> yeah, Jake Hayner, I believe he's going to be a fifth-year senior this year for the Bulldogs. And I was actually surprised he didn't go with Kalen DeBoer to Washington because DeBoer is an offensively minded coach. I I might have this wrong, but I think he's the play caller as well. And he's obviously the guy who brought Hayner to Fresno state and they had a lot of success together last year. So when that announcement was made, maybe Hayner looked at Washington's quarterback room and said, you know, Dylan Morris was a starter last year and Sam Heward, a big time recruit is also in that quarterback room. So maybe he didn't want to try and, you know, risk it. But if you're that tight with the head coach, you'd think you might have the inside track on the starting job. I was, I was very surprised because I heard he was going to, and then he decided to stay with the Bulldogs. I'm not surprised in the sense of, if you think about it, it's your last year. You've done all your years here. You've ground, like grinded out it out with this team. Why wouldn't you want to finish with that team? Um, I'm really big on loyalty in a sense. To a, to a degree, obviously, do what makes sense for you. But um, I, I I don't dislike the move. I, I'm glad that he decided to stay, finish out strong there. And who knows what kind of legacy he's going to leave at Fresno State, you know? He's already left a great one. I mean, he got everybody's <laughs> respect last year when he went into the Rose Bowl and and knocked off UCLA. That was that was huge. And I think the, the, the final thing we'll touch on here with this game with USC is if that game doesn't go the Trojans' way, there will be one of two reactions writ large from from the media, both in L.A. and nationally. It'll either be Lincoln Riley, is he not the guy we thought? Or what more accurately I think it'll be is this roster is further away than most people realize. And I'm not going – I don't know. I, I, have to, I have to see more from USC before I can make a prediction on the game. Like I have to – It'll be the conversation is going to be we just need to give him more time at the end of the day. I think people are still going to be very hopeful for what Lincoln Riley can do, and they're going to give him a little more grace than they would have wanted to have given Clay Helton and et cetera, et cetera. But um, there's just high hopes for Lincoln Riley. And yes, we would like to see them earlier rather than later. But if they don't turn around right away, it's just going to be one of those conversations. Well, let's continue to give him time and see. Um, And anybody who's thinking otherwise is kind of just being delusional. At the end of the day, things take time in any aspect. And yes, some people are able to make changes happen right away. But reality is, if it doesn't happen right away, you still got to give someone time to make, you know, make an actual change. Yeah, it would make it would send some shockwaves through college football, even though I think people would bounce back and be like, no, no, Lincoln Riley's going to be fine. He just needs Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. But, it's definitely going to be but bad. the headline, Fresno State beats Lincoln Riley in first year at USC. That would be a pretty – that would it's be a be rough a It's going to be a dagger for sure, but it's going to be one of those he might need to take to the chin and just – Build your character, right? Like, this is one of yeah. those, like, I need to have this happen and get it over with so then now I can move forward. And, like, I know how to take the criticism. Let's go move forward. It's going to happen eventually. So 
Hey. Yeah, and and if if they do end up losing that game, I bet you the guys will be hungry afterward, and they should fill up with Built Bar because they've got 17 grams of protein, four gr- four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 130 calories. You like how I work that in, nice and seamlessly. Yeah, there, you got to stay true. full. <laughs> and Built Bar is a great way to do it. They've got a bunch of amazing flavors. Mint brownie is my favorite. They've got others though as well. Peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, white chocolate cookies and cream, raspberry. They've got it all. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're not really a healthy thing. They are, but they taste even better than that. So go to built.com, use promo code lock 15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Next game that that could be a trap in the Pac-12 next year, non-conference. And this is one that I, as the host of Locked on Ducks, am more than a little concerned about. And that is when BYU comes to Autzen Stadium. There's a good chance Oregon will already have a loss under its belt because they have to go down to Atlanta and play a neutral site game against Georgia. Okay. But it's like playing, it's like saying you're playing a neutral game against Oregon in Portland. Like, oh, they had to go so very, very far for that. I'm sure they won't have a fan advantage at all. But anyway, so they have to go play Georgia. I I expect them to lose that game in Dan Lanning's first ever game as a head coach against his former team, of course, where he just won national championship. But then they've got Eastern Washington, which is not a cupcake of an FCS opponent. I don't say that's a, that's a trap game in itself. Like, it can be. Yes, it absolutely can be. We'll get to an FCS opponent later that will potentially trip up a Pac-12 team. But the Ducks then have to, on September 17th, same day as that Fresno State game. All of these games that we're talking about are September 17th, FYI. Yeah, that's, that's yeah that could be. It could be. It's either going to be a day where the Pac-12 conference looks and goes, okay, we dodged some bullets here. Or it's going to be a day where we look back and go, boy, there was some carnage on, on yeah. that day because they play BYU, Oregon does, and BYU is the 2021 Pac-12 South champions in the same way that UCF are the 2018 national champions in that they beat everybody that would have been required. They might as well have been in the Pac-12 the way they played in the Pac-12 conference last season. Literally had probably more Pac-12 games than – most of the Pac-12 teams during the pandemic. Um, what we're looking at here with BYU is a team that, again, they're a more competitive team in the conference that they're actually in. Probably don't need to be in that conference, honestly. Um, we saw them run through ASU, Utah, Washington State. Um, was it Washington? It was State? literally a pack. It was literally a, a Pac-12. Was, yeah, yeah. And they're going was, to the they're going to the Big Twelve here. In the next couple of years, because they don't want the Notre Dame reputation of, oh, you're an independent. You need to join a conference. Yeah, like I understand there's also probably more money involved when you when you go join a big conference like that. But 
I think that the Big 12 is gaining a solid team here because literally they ran through the Pac-12. I don't think they lost to a Pac-12 team last year, if I remember correctly. I think they went like a perfect 5 or 6-0. and And every game it was like expected that the Pac-12 team would take them down, right? Like Utah, the rivalry between Utah and BYU is huge. So You're good. Not- it's a great rivalry. It, it's like one of those moments. I mean, it's just as big as USC UCLA in the state of Utah, in the yeah. sense of like that means you know the Huge. world to that state, right? For Utah to take the L, but then go ahead and have the season that they had, they were waiting for another Pac-12 team to take down BYU, and it did not happen. And they kept and it kept happening against teams that were literally on the top of their game, you know, in the moment, and they just could not do it so at this point BYU's coming up into this game against Oregon very confident regardless of what Oregon produces what Oregon has happening in the offseason they're coming into this confident because of their record against Pac-12 teams they're strong BYU is just one of those teams that like we said if if they were in the Pac-12 they would be the teams we're talking about as top contenders amongst Utah, amongst Oregon. So um, Oregon definitely can't sleep on this, especially considering like they're in the rebuild year in a sense. Um, They're trying to get in a redemption year, honestly, after the, you know, Utah slaughter the way it ended. Yeah. Right. Um, So at this point, like it's not, it's not a game they would want to lose to start the season in a sense. I know it's not necessarily the, smack dab start but it's still early on in the season and not an L I think they can afford to take no and it, it would certainly not be any loss at home for most college football teams is unacceptable but for Oregon that's especially the case they've lost once at home in the last four seasons under Mario Cristobal and that was a game I don't care to revisit because there were almost broken bones in my hand thanks to the nearest wall it just that was not that was not a good day. And so Never. do you I, get that wrapped up in the games? My goodness. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I just <laughs> it was it was a lot worse when when I was like a young a younger kid. My brother <laughs> wouldn't watch wouldn't watch games with me. But anyhow, we've we've grown a little bit since then from a maturity yeah. perspective. Not a lot, but a little. <laughs> a little so bit. I think the the other game, another game we keep your eye on here, because I really think Oregon will have to play well in order to beat BYU. (laughs) They really, really will. But how about Arizona State? They have, again, same day, September 17th. Now, on paper, I don't think this pops off as much as Fresno State and BYU do from a name brand recognition standpoint. But ASU hosts Eastern Michigan on September 17th. Now, I would like to think that playing at home, ASU is going to have a solid home field advantage. Their crowd can get pretty rowdy. And, you know, their football team has been solid the last several years, but not in a great place right now. Lowest ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12, 103rd nationally. All the scandals and vet, yada, yada, yada. Not good vibes down there in Tempe. I I don't think that this is ridiculous, Cindy, that – if Arizona State loses this game, I don't th- I don't think Herm Edwards gets to go back to his office. I think they just clean it out for him at that point. Well, this is something Richie and I kind of discussed. We did, in our opinion, say that Herm Edwards is on the hot seat right now. So I don't completely disagree with you. We saw what happened with Clay Helton last season um, as soon as the season started. And it made no sense. We would have just preferred them to have 
fired him in the offseason and allowed an actual coach to come in and get prepared to, you know, really coach throughout the whole season instead of having an interim coach. Uh, I'm sure ASU wants to avoid that same fate because it just does not bode well with the team. It doesn't help with morale. And then you just can never really get into a groove of, even if you choose someone that's already on the team, you know, coaching and know the players, it's still difficult to see them now in that head coaching space when you thought you were starting with a whole different head coach. Um, to top things off though, it's just not gonna be a good time for the Sun Devils. They actually have the second game of their season is at Oklahoma State. And so- That's a loss. From, yes, and two weeks from that, and they have Utah coming to Tempe, okay? So in between there is the game against Eastern Michigan. And this article that we read from 24-7 Sports literally makes a great point in saying that there's two ways this could go. If Arizona State loses to Oklahoma State, they'll be itching for the next big opportunity, right? And they may just think that the game against Eastern Michigan will be a breeze and they'll be already looking towards Utah and not really paying attention to the fact that Eastern Michigan can come in and really just disrupt things as well, right? But then if they beat Oklahoma State, They'll be overly confident, thinking that Eastern Michigan, again, will be a breeze and will overlook them. So I think at this point, this is one of those times where Arizona really needs to hone in and sorry, ASU really needs to hone in and take each game as it comes. Each game is a 0-0 record. We're starting from scratch because it doesn't matter who your opponent is. Football is a any given Sunday, and in this case, any given Saturday, okay? Um, I would hope the Sun Devils go into this matchup as they're preparing for Oregon or Utah or whoever bigger opponent that they're going to face because the moment you uh, look at an opponent, opponent thinking they're just going to be too easy or whatever, that's when you usually slack. Yeah, and, you know, if, if they do end up getting rid of, of Herm Edwards at some point, they'd Probably be out a little bit of money, but you won't be out any money if you use rockauto.com because you can save both time and money. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. There's too many makes and models now. Your local chain auto parts store doesn't have everything you need, but Rock Auto does. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, the final two potential non-conference trap games in the Pac-12 this year. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this next one is actually not very concerning to me, and Oregon fans out there might want to crucify me for saying this, but I don't think Oregon State is going to have a problem with Montana State. The next FCS opponent we'll talk about when Arizona takes on the reigning national champs who beat Montana State that could be a little bit more of an issue. But again, that magical day, September 17th, Oregon State hosts Montana State out of the big sky. They went all the way to the FCS National Championship game a season ago. I, I've just got some faith in Jonathan Smith here. I don't think Montana State is going to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Beavers, who had a pretty abysmal defense this past season but they've changed defensive coordinators and hopefully that'll allow them to be more successful on that side of the ball the evidence i think is obviously non-existent right now so we'll just have to wait and see but 
offensively, you know, Oregon State will score points. It's a matter of whether they can get stops. And I don't think the Bobcats can score with the Beavers at a rate sufficient to keep this one close. I have some indifferent feelings about it. <laughs> so Oregon State is always that team, or at least in the last few seasons, that has been that team that upsets the most, like, re- like their upsets are the most ridiculous, like upsetting Oregon and upsetting uh, USC, like games like that. You just don't see them coming. You think Oregon State's, you can kind of overlook them. They don't really shine. But they always find a way to, like, mix things up in the Pac-12. But they do end up falling short against teams that, like, after they're on a roll, you just expect them to, like, keep it going. And it comes to a disappointment. So while Oregon State started off last season and leading the offense and leading in uh, rushing yards and touchdowns, I don't know. This could get kind of tricky. They are starting their season off with uh, Boise State, Fresno State, and USC. And all those teams, easy to like, you know, okay, we got to prepare for these. They're typically tough teams. We've already talked about Fresno State and what they bring. We know what USC is going to be coming. We'll have an idea of the energy USC is coming with. And then Boise State, they, they typically have a solid team year in and year out. And you could see them overlooking a Montana State. And then what happens? Montana State sneaks in there and ruins everything. Like, that is what happens. That is what happens. Especially to a team like Oregon State. That happens all the time. I I see where you're coming from there. I think this is a different Oregon State team now. I I think the Beaver teams of the last decade Yes, the one and eleven team that almost lost to Portland State. Yeah, they'd be on upset alert here under Gary Anderson. With, with I mean that to this day is one of the worst college football teams I've ever seen at the Power Five level. They were abysmally bad in um, in a game that was then called the Civil War at Austin Stadium. I was there for that game. If Oregon had wanted to, they legitimately could have scored hundred points. I mean, it was, but that was then. This is now. Jonathan yeah. Smith knows how to coach. He he clear he knows offense. He clearly knows how to coach. The recruiting results, I think they've been okay. You know, yeah. they maybe leave some some room to be desired. We have to, you know, maybe dive into that here on on, on the pod here uh as, as spring football continues. But you know, Oregon State's never going to be known as a recruiting power, at least not in the near distant future. That's just asking a lot for for the team in Corvallis. So I, I expect them to be all right. But I tell you who I don't expect to be all right. Arizona against the team that beat Montana state that has won eight FCS national championships in the last like 11 or 12 years. So for all of you, let's expand the playoff to avoid Alabama dominating. I would like you to explain that one to me, please. That's a different conversation. I just thought I'd throw that out there. And again, same day, September 17th. It's like the conference got together and said, you know what? Let's just schedule what could be the most disastrous day as a football conference and let's make it September 17th. Everybody cool with that? We all good? Okay, let's roll. Well, Arizona. What's that? It makes sense. That's the only way you can schedule non-conference games for like all of like, you know, you have to have at least six teams that would typically be facing each other that weekend. Face yeah. other out of, you know, but that's not the only weekend they're facing non-conference teams. So we'll see some other. No, but it's, it just happens to be the weekend. 
where yeah. you've got all these trap games in there. And there are some other quality non-conference opponents. Oregon plays Georgia. Washington plays Michigan State. Um, Arizona State's going to play Oklahoma State. Like, there are some Arizona good ones. Arizona's playing Mississippi State. I, t- I tell you what. Yeah, that's, a, that's another good one, too. I tell you what. If Arizona comes out, wins this game against North Dakota State, I think it'll be a sign of clear growth from last year. Even if you just look at it, which I know this is a low bar, but when you bottom out like Arizona has, that's just what we're operating with here. When you look at last season, they lose to an FCS team in NAU that was not even a good FCS team. That wasn't an Eastern Washington or a Montana, a Montana State, a North Dakota State, Sam Houston State. There were It was not a good FCS team. It was an aggressively mediocre one in NAU. And I call games in that conference NAU year in and year out in just about every sport. They're never terrible. They're never great. They're always right smack dab in the middle. So you lost to that team at home. I think that if they win this game, Cindy, it's a sign that Jed Fish is able to translate some off-field success that we've seen in the recruiting trail to an on-field, at least improvement from last year, right? So, yes, that is the main thing, honestly, the improvement, because we've seen the offseason, we've seen the moves they've made, we've <sighs> taken my quarterback. Anyways, um, I'll say all that to say, I expect major improvement from Arizona. So, no, I don't even consider this game an option to lose. They face San Diego State and Mississippi State before even facing North Dakota State. Those games will be the real test of their uh, improvement. And I mean that on a state of saying, if they lose those games but play really well, I will be like, okay, this is a difference. Granted, Arizona played really well against a lot of teams they played last season. They just could not close them out. And that was the part, like that second half was always the terrible part of their game. But North Dakota State is like, it's not negotiable. You have to win this one. It's not even about improving. Uh, improving. This is just like a matter of your reputation at this point. Because like you said, losing to NAU should have never happened. Ever, ever, ever. And so North Dakota State is in that talks of NAU in my mind. So playing well against San Diego State and Mississippi State will have me being like, okay, I see improvement. Losing to North Dakota State will have me thinking you're back in that 111 mindset and y'all will never get out of it. You can't tell me differently. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, it's not an easy non-conference schedule. You know, I mean, it's probably the second or third toughest. It's, you know, Oregon's definitely with the the team with the hardest non-conference schedule. I mean, like by by far, Georgia, BYU, and then Eastern Washington as as your buy game against an FCS opponent. Like that's that's really tough. But San Diego State, Mississippi State, they get to go up against our our old friend and your uh, your team's former head coach Mike Leach, who is a national treasure. And if you try and convince me otherwise, ah. I will fight any of you in person because that man is a saint for a I've number of reasons. Some, I've heard but, some you know conflicting stories there from people who played for him, but well, I yeah, will... no, I'm not, I'm not speaking <laughs> in that sense. But at the podium, no one is better than Mike Leach. That I oh, it's just you. fantastic. You ever see the press conference where he's talking about? which mascot would win in a fight. Yes. You know, he's like, well, you know, a cougar might do pretty well, but you have a golden bear against a Trojan. I think the bear, and he's just, he's taking it so seriously. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. (sighs) But another guy that you got to take seriously in the pac 12, or at least you have for the last couple of years, Drake Jackson, defensive end from USC. We'll wrap up with him today. He's got the size 
and, and the frame, like 6'4", 250 pounds or so, to be a starting caliber defensive end in the NFL. I just think he hasn't put it all together yet and might be one of those guys that just has to find the right scheme, the right fit. Like right now he's projecting as sort of a, a mid-round draft pick. But I, I think one of the things that might be holding him back is that he played in the Pac-12. And so any sort of production that you show in the Pac-12 because its reputation as a football conference has been really, really weak, you have to be so exceptional, I think, to get a high draft grade. But I think this is a guy who you can line up, you know, kind of inside or outside. I think he's better as a defensive end, but you could slide him between the tackles every now and then. He's not going to drop into coverage a whole lot, but I think he just has the intangibles to be that sort of guy. And his production was there, but he's just not looking like he's going to be a high round draft pick, but could still be a nice player in the NFL. I think his biggest, like, ceiling for him and all of that is that he has potential, right? Um, I think that bodes well in the NFL when they're drafting potential goes further than I think potential even goes a little further than you already have what they're looking for, because yes, you can come in and start right away. Right. But then it's like, how much more can they build you up uh, with potential? There's so much room for growth. I think too, with him, there's room to decide what he actually, where he actually plays. You know what I mean? Like you just mentioned in multiple different positions where you could see him play and that allows the versatility for a team to pick him up and be like, well, we can plug you here. Or if something happens, we can plug you here. And we all know how um, uh, injuries happen left and right in the NFL. So the more versatile you are, the more important you are to a team, especially coming in as a rookie. Uh, he has super, he's super athletic, fast, all of that. He has all, like you said, the intangibles for an NFL uh, team. I agree with you, though, mid to late rounds, because <sighs> there's just so many fourth. options. I'll go, I'll go fourth. I bet, you, I bet you he pops up to the fourth round. And I can see that because at the end of the day, yeah, he played in the Pac-12, but he played for USC. So the title of his school, and granted, they, they sucked, we know, but <laughs> still USC, you know what I mean? And that... That is one of the teams out of the Pac-12 that's still going to bring scouts out. It's still going to bring people looking. You know what I mean? So it's not a Colorado, you know, where they're yeah. fighting to get some attention. So at the end of the day, I I, I can I can roll with you. I, I'll go fourth round, possibly. Fourth round, yeah. I th I think that's an appropriate selection. You know, I think it'll it'll depend on scheme. It'll depend on where he is. You know, right now he's his draft grade has him as you know either a high end backup or kind of a, a low end starter and that might be what he ends up becoming in the NFL. But there is something to be said about teams that draft guys because of their physical traits and feel like they can, you know, coach him up and work him into a, a better player, help him get closer to his ceiling as a football player on the field. And at the end of the day, you should be able to do that, right? Like if you draft a guy That's and you're thinking of yourself <laughs> as, yeah, if you're thinking of yourself as a coaching staff, well, he's going to need a long way to go. I don't know if we want to take it. Well, what exactly are you getting paid for? <laughs> like we're paying you to, you know, coach the players. So improvement has to be a, a part of that equation. I think he's got enough production to be that, that sort of draft pick and, you know, can, can be a solid, a solid player in the NFL with potentially a higher ceiling than, than something. I don't think his floor is super, super high, but I don't think it's that low either, but I think his ceiling could be a little bit higher than, 
uh, than, than some people think. But that I is, to, I try not to judge because you don't, it doesn't matter where you start. It's all about where you finish. Yeah, so. exactly. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish, though. Sometimes how you start affects how you're going it to finish. how you finish. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're, not you know, gonna, gotta, we're gonna we're gonna speak positivity in this. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, but if you get behind twenty eight nothing, well, that's gonna affect how you finish. You might finish really well, but you'd have to you have to do a lot, and then in that case, how you start does does right. in fact matter. But that's it for us today for Sydney Robinson, Spencer McLaughlin. This is Locked On Pack Twelve. Thank you for liking and subscribing wherever you are listening to and or watching the show. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.